So well, 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 we're finally here. It's happening. It's happening finally. The, we are live. Rebel Radio is live. Uh, it took uh, us some time to get the setup ready and there were some clashes because we have the academy running and also Strangle is just around the corner. So we were kind of busy, but we are more than happy to do this just three days away from Strangle. Strangle and this, Goa. Strangle, Strangle Goa. Goa. Shout out. A big shout out over there. Big shout out to also Tribal Warriors for being a fantastic venue for us. This week, uh, it is slightly delayed, but this week we'll be discussing the mega event, the mega grappling event that happened uh, in Las Vegas, the ADCC Championship. What a show, Piyush. What do you think? Amazing show, amazing show. Because we wanted to do this uh, right after the ADCC week, but unfortunately, uh, we were so tied up. We tried to plan it, postpone it, postpone it. Mm. We also put a picture which got a lot of you hyped up in yeah. anticipation. But finally, we are doing it. We are going to discuss the ADCC. So grappling fans across India, across the world, if you're listening, I hope you're excited because we are going to discuss the event. And what a mind-blowing event, Rajiv. My God. We watched it together. Oh, yeah. It was, it was midnight over here. More. We got together at around 10.30 and we were waiting and we were we, waiting. We'll talk about that long <laughs> wait that happened and across the entire world. I don't think anybody enjoyed that wait, right? No, it so was, it. first, let's start from the very basic for people who are uninitiated about ADCC. What is ADCC? How would you describe ADCC, Rajiv? The ADCC uh, is the Abu Dhabi Combat Club championship actually Abu Dhabi combat championship uh, it is the holy grail of nogi grappling in the world you can even call it go as far as calling it the olympics of nogi grappling yeah. i mean you see the who's who of today's grappling scene we saw gordon ryan craig jones nikki ryan i mean the who's who i mean you name it uh, adcc has basically changed adcc 2022 has basically changed the way uh, we look at grappling. The novices look at grappling. I mean, me and Piyush, we are excited about grappling every day. You talk about an amba or a way to get a triangle, a new way to get a triangle or any other setup, and we're excited. But again, for the world to see that a sport which is considered niche and for someone like Mojasim and his team to, I mean, conduct this mega event, which was an extravaganza, brilliant. I think it was brilliant. What do you think? Uh, so if you ask me the definition of ADCC, I will say that an event where every fight is a super fight. I agree. And that's what we got to see this time. So let's get into it. I will say, let's explain how do we get into the ADCC. Oh, getting into ADCC is... World Championship. I think it's even uh, if you look at the uh, American trials or even the South American trials, I think getting into ADCC is way more challenging than actually the ADCC event in itself. So... Uh, Mojasim and his team, the ADCC Council, if I may call them so, they host trials in Asia. Uh, they host every continent. Every almost. continent, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Asia. Unfortunately, this uh, last year it was cancelled for some reason, maybe COVID. And we were planning to go there, guys. Yes. Like we were definitely super hyped. We were preparing. We wanted to go to the ADCC Singapore, but unfortunately, it got cancelled and got shifted to Australia. And a lot of us couldn't get the visas on time or it was very expensive also. It to is, be honest, it is kind so. of expensive to go to Australia for all of us. Uh, so I think we are looking forward to 2023. 23. It's going to be insane. So as we were discussing, ADCC event is just the face of it. The mega event that happened was just the face of it. What goes behind the scenes is two years of prep because ADCC doesn't happen every year. It happens every two years. So... After every two years, the top guys of the world who've meddled in the ADCC uh, before in the previous tournaments, they get invites. But for the rest of the people or the grapplers, they have to go, to through, go through a grueling, uh, grueling, I mean. Yeah, uh, to cross that line of fire. Oh, it is crazy. I mean, we've seen the uh, South American trials, the Brazil trials. It was insane. Yeah. Some of the best talents in the world. Uh, America, top North American trials. So, did you notice how uh, the number of people competing in the trials just increased drastically like in past two, three years? Absolutely. Like 2019, I assume there were like 100 or like 80 people per division. And this time the number crossed 200. It was so crazy. Even that showed the trials itself look so high level now, especially the North American ones. Those two are the toughest, the East yeah, Coast and yeah. the West Coast, the toughest trials out there. Of course. Because... Uh, once you look at it, I mean, look at some of the guys who got through the trials. Who was your favorite trial winner? And did you uh, think uh, that they would go on and win the ADCC? So this time, 
all the trial winners will come to this point they did like really really well and a lot of them went on to win their division as well so i think rotolo brothers they uh, won a kate won the trial the i i'm not sure right now because the trials were so long in the past uh, probably they won the east coast trial or the i think they won the west coast trials and they ended up winning the division the kate uh, rotolo went, ended up winning the division apart from that there were a lot of trial winners from um, europe who did yeah, like really really well exceptionally well, well yeah and even the asian trial winner especially i would give a shout out to kenta yamamoto he had first match and unfortunately this is a interesting fact whoever wins the asian trials is ranked the lowest right so they have to go against the number 1 seed in the tournament in the adcs championship which is like the winner of the past adcc and that was this time jt and he did really well against him he, he pushed did. the jd past you know his limits and i think that kind of contributed in the demise of jt in the second round yes. against pj which was another fantastic match so let's let's go down the line and talk about first of all let's talk about the audience size oh wow so if you want it to was, say something it was it was crazy i mean we've seen this uh, trend in cricket in the country obviously football is really big and in the americas the american football scene the basketball scene the baseball scene but in my knowledge i don't think we've seen this kind of a setup first of all and the kind of crowd or the the size of the crowd that had gathered around uh, to see uh, they were even uh, talking about numbers as high as 12 to 15000 15000 so do you remember the in just in contrast the chinese uh, the one which happened in beijing china it happened in 2030 the adcc and they had like zero spectator all the spectators were just the people who were there with the fighters the coaches in the corners and just like 7 to 8 years removed just four or three adcc removed we have this massive massive 15000 filling the entire thomas mack arena yeah. like that was crazy to watch for me and the amount of uh you know noise the din that these guys were creating for every single move for every single uh, tactical and uh, strategic exchange that was very good to watch like they were not just a rowdy crowd where you would just uh, shout all day they were silent 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 until you did a good yeah, move I've... and then they just erupted yeah. so some of my favorite moments came out of that like kate winning huge pop i think the biggest pop yeah the uh, ami campo winning over gabi garcia oh wow huge yeah. pop so those were the defining moments for me where i was like oh shit this yeah. looks like a wwe level yeah, yeah. Uh, mania you know yeah i mean it was almost like the ufc i mean obviously ufc talks about 50000 100000 people but for a sport which is absolutely at its infancy right now even though we have mega stars now uh, it was mind blowing so that's that's what we're trying to do in the country with strangle what do you think 100% so with the strangle we have uh, decided like from the very beginning that we have to uh, start with the adcc rule set because we believe that the future of nogi grappling the future of grappling is nogi grappling and the future of nogi grappling is the competitions like adcc adcc format. so we want to raise a crop of people who are already very well versed in the rule set and the more people compete in these strangle tournaments the more experience they can accumulate in order to do the same absolutely right that that was a vision behind it i think that's started. why that's why with every strangle we see so many clubs that people even we haven't heard about before yeah. so this time in uh, strangle goa we have 21 teams 22 teams 22 teams people. my apologies yeah. yeah and 20 out of the 22 teams i promise you you would not have heard about 12 to 13 teams yourselves yeah. like most every this is great part about strangle which i really like that every time we do a event in a different city we uh, discover a lot new teams like which the whole country was not aware about and this should be our mission to like unearth these new teams new talents all across the country and this helps in growing the sport also because now there's a ho- whole new set of people who are uh, interested in grappling who are getting paid who are watching grappling at the highest level Absolutely. and now they get interested and it just that ripple effect just increases yeah that's uh, okay let's come back to adcc because yeah. this is uh, goa uh, strangle goa week so we're kind of excited and we're so excited to be a small part of trying to grow the bjj community or the grappling community in the country which is india uh, we've been we've hosted four strangle so far we started with delhi ncr then we went to kolkata bangalore and now goa and there'll also be a fifth tournament coming soon but let's get back to adcc so let's let's talk about the start of the adcc so 
Do we need you, to? You, you can see Raji is changing his facial expression immediately. <laughs> so, would you want to describe what happened? So we started like at ten thirty. That was the proposed time. We were already there, like with all our chips, all <laughs> our food ready. We were. We also had like few uh, breezers yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. Few alcohol. Rajiv does not drink, so it's fine. No, Cut this part out if you want. <laughs> yeah, no. We, uh, we uh, It was. It was ten thirty at night. Obviously, it's late over here. We just worked out the whole day, and we were kind of tr- uh, tired. Uh, we were excited. It was the end of the week. Saturday it, it was, also. It was the end of the week also. So we got together, and uh, we waited from ten uh, thirty to eleven. And when it finally started, uh, the announcer just killed us. I mean, she's supposed to be a legend in from the Pride uh, Championships. I mean, the way she was trying to announce the names. What, what was the name? Lenny Hart. Something. Lenny like Hart. Lenny, Lenny Hart. Hart. Okay. I mean, no hard feelings for whoever you are. <laughs> nice fun. Yeah, because. Uh, <laughs> but. It was excruciating. I mean, it went on for one hour. Yeah. I mean, she was announcing every fighter that was coming on stage and lining up near the mats. And we had to... Go bet. through like 90 fighters, right? Almost 89 to 90 fighters. It was, it was excruciating. I mean, yeah. the excitement was slightly... It just killed our excitement. Like for, one, for around 45 minutes to 48 minutes straight, yeah. she sh- shouted in our ears. And no, we muted it. Yeah, I mean, after I'm a sure. while, after like half an hour, we I were mean, like, still, it might end fast, it might end fast. I, I feel like the entrance, uh, you know, organization was a little bit problematic and maybe they fix it in the next ADCC. Yeah. Because calling out 90 fighters, I know that they are trying to give them all the limelight, but I think that could be done in the pre-show where they already uh, made the fighter face off each other. That's enough limelight. Now, on the start of the day, just bring them out all together, maybe one division at a time, like they did in the previous ADCC where they lined everyone together and then quickly just introduced Yeah, just them. like the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, when they're about to fight, the, the announcer announces the names of the uh, Heats winner and they're going for the finale when they're trying to fight. But uh, what was excruciating for us was... The voice was a pain in my ass, okay? And in the ear as well. And in the ear, so we had to mute it. Uh, if you were watching ADCC and you felt the same, please comment and tell us what you did to just avoid that excruciating and she, and noise. She was, she was also like um, killing, butchering the names as well. Like the way she was pronouncing a lot of names. Oh my God. Like yes. I don't think uh, I would like my na- names pronounced like no, this. No, no, I don't know. It's already difficult. I, I, I don't know what more was uh, smoking when he approved... <laughs> Uh, how to be something very strong something, something very, very strong. strong yeah it was insane but again having said that the matches made it up for that oh yeah so yeah, yeah. all the matches that followed i would say props to the fighters there were a lot very few boring matches a lot of matches were very very interesting and that brings it down to the matches part of the section the first match that we saw was Hysam Rider versus Cyborg Oh my god. And that just got us so amped up. So would it, you describe what happened? I, I didn't even know what happened. Okay, Cyborg is yeah. one of the best fighters in the world and he's so aggressive on the mats. But again, my friend just comes in and armbars him in less than a minute, was it? Yeah, it was like, it felt like 30 seconds. Yeah, it felt like 30 seconds and the entire arena just erupted. erupted. I mean, we were dumbfounded. My jaw was on the floor because I did not expect... Yeah, I mean, the biggest upset. Biggest in upset line. in the very first match of ADCC 2022. And Cyborg is an absolute division champion of ADCC, so he's no joke. I mean, uh, Cyborg is one of the legends. I mean, he's been fighting for so many years. I mean, he's one of the toughest uh, dudes in the BJJ community and a fantastic uh, uh, sportsman also. But again, that uh, upset. I, I don't know much about that because he's known to like cry a lot. Like remember last time, oh, yeah. Cyborg versus Nikki Rod. Oh, that was that was stupid. So yeah. again, yeah, but legend, again, but, but again, he is uh, he is he, a veteran. He, he's a veteran of the sport, hundred percent. He's a veteran, so yeah, that was the biggest upset for me because Cyborg being Cyborg, yeah. and suddenly gets armbar. So, in no so time. it was very fun sequence. I mean, not fun sequence for him, but it was good to watch where. He shot for a takedown because we don't know that Heisen Rider is such a great wrestler. Whereas Cyborg is, he shoots plasterable, takes uh, guys like Hulk, Barbosa and all these guys down. So he shot for a double and because his hand was kind of overextended, Heisen managed to pummel an underhook, stuff that takedown and immediately use that same underhook to jump kind yes. of a flying armbar, if you want to say. It was not a full flying armbar, but he just shoved his uh, It was a very dynamic armbar. And then he just spun all the way around, went to the armbar, crossed his ankle for the finish, 
and then got to finish done it was very quick so it wasn't even a fight where cyborg was trying to escape the ambar he uh, just Yeah, because he just let it go. Because if a guy like Ryder, Hysam Ryder is on the armbar, you don't want to take your chances, right? Of course right? not. At that level, like you said earlier uh, in this podcast, every fight was a super fight. Every fight was a super I mean, fight. I mean, if it was a WNO card, every fight would have been a super fight. Even uh, now, we have people in one championships doing amazing grappling. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was the biggest upset. Uh, so. Was that your biggest upset of the? No, actually not. So my biggest upset was Gary Tonin losing in the first round. Oh my who, god! Who who expected that? Come on! I did not. We all thought that Gary Tonin is cutting down from seventy-seven to sixty-six. Last time he was a silver medalist in seventy-seven. That means he was the second best grappler. So in sixty-six he would. Everyone was thinking that he would dominate, and again he gets beaten by someone who people did not count in in the match. That was Sam McNally, a European trial winner. So that match. Again, that just put me in the shock. Gary Tonin losing first round rarely happens, but I think Gary Tonin is that bad streak of you know uh, yeah. grappling career. Because I remember he losing in the one championship with a Kade. Kade nasty dars in just about two minutes. Kade or tie? I think it was tie. uh tai uh, it's difficult yeah, to say yeah it was tai it was tai i remember it was tai it was tai yeah, uh, how we just shot in the dars and he finished it she yeah. finished him in two minutes gary tonan he's my one of my favorite grapplers of all time i mean uh, we study his dvds we study a lot of gary tonan guys yeah so. i mean i love i uh, love how he teaches the i love what he does so it was i mean i was i was i was hoping that he would go on and win the uh whole division i mean he and kate would have been interesting No, yeah, yeah. But again, the first round he goes, and I'm like dumbfounded. I I said this is the worst ADCC ever because the last ADCC, remember his match against Kanuto? Uh, Kanuto. Oh my God, that was. I mean, that goes. I that was probably the best One match of the, of the best match of the tournament. Of yeah. the tournament, yeah. So 100%. yeah, ADCC. I agree with you. Yeah. So that was the biggest upset. Another big upset for me was, uh, I think. Tie losing to Joshua Hinger. Oh my God! I was rooting for Joshua because I'm 41 years old. Joshua is much older than Tie. I I was definitely not rooting for Hinger, uh, but man, what what a way to uh, stop one of the brightest talent of the sport because Tie was so determined and he tried to do everything to escape that. Like he had a fully Joshua Hinger at one point of time, yeah, yeah. fully locked RNC, and this guy just fought it off, fought it off, fought it off. But unfortunately, that back take. Yeah, cost him, cost him the because uh, Josh Hinger is also an amazing grappler. I mean, he yeah. does gi and no gi. 100%. Most of the Atos guys do do both. They don't specialize in gi or the no gi. And he has great he, wrestling, so great that was the wrestling. equalizing factor in my opinion. Because yeah. uh, uh, Tai Rotolo, both the Rotolo brothers, they just exhaust you in the grappling department so much, especially standing up. That uh, once you go on the mat. You are already like half gassed, and then they put their passing pressure with that leg pin passing, mm. and then they just demolish your guard. But in this case, I think Joshua Hinger was equally matched with him in, on the feet, and obviously they are training partners. So yeah, yeah, I think I think both of uh, them could uh, understood each other very, very well. Yes. I'm sure they they've been rolling forever now because these guys have been training yeah. for the longest time. I think I think uh, Hinger used to be their coach also, like when they were coming up through the kids level rank. He was giving them private lessons and helping them get better. Mm. So it was a very bittersweet moment. I think yes. even after the fight, Joshua Hinger was very emotional. He, he was. Like, he was. He's a nice fellow. He's yeah. a nice, nice fellow. And he had that. I remember his Instagram where he's like, "Okay, it's a bittersweet moment for me. Yeah. I'm not happy. I'm upset on my nice fellow. I mean, but again, you're right. But it, it had us on the edge of our seats. Man, I was match. like. No, Tai is going to win but, the division. No, but it was, it, it was, I think, probably one of the most exciting fights. It was. So, as I said, all these upsets made the ADCC feel so nice, so amazing. Such an equalizer. Like, if you make one tiny error, they these guys are so high level that they'll punish you for it, and you can just go right out of the tournament. Like Gary Tonin made one small error, out. He was out. Tai Rotolo made one small error, out, and these guys are supposed to be like the best in the world. So yeah, I mean, definitely top five all. So it was interesting, yeah. I mean, even the women put up a great show. Oh yeah, that I have to really uh, give them props to because usually women fight do not end up in submissions most of the time, especially at ADCC. Uh, it's kind of boring, but this time all of them brought the heat, especially oh Amy Campo. Oh my God, she going against Gaby Garcia and just demolishing someone double her size, taking her back. Man, the whole crowd, the stadium was, was erupting in that situation. I think so. Yeah, I think uh, jiu-jitsu is proving to be uh, what it is supposed to be. You know, uh, technique over 
size or strength. So I think it was, I, these guys were arguing with me because I told them the women fighters are coming in and they were like, oh, it's going to be boring. I said, this time you watch. And uh, thankfully yeah, it changed. Raji the- was a spot on that. But actually I was excited to watch Fionn because Fionn is a very exciting grappler and she's one of my favorite female grappler. Even That's last true. time she performed uh, her performance against Bia Mosquita where she broke her arm from the rear triangle, if I you remember. remember that fight. So 2019, that was very exciting. So I was looking forward for her fight. And this time she again fought Bia Mosquita, demolished her with her pressure passing. Very, very, very well done job. And she ended up winning the whole bracket. So well deserved. So Fionn. I mean, I mean yeah, that's, that brings us to our women grapplers in the country. Uh, grappling uh, is still, it's quite, quite niche in the country as it is, but we have so little female, female grapplers. Even in Strangle Goa, we just have about six to seven fighters where have, we have more than uh, 70 people, uh, 70 men fighting for uh, money, fighting for glory, fighting for the top rank. You know, so hopefully the ADCC 2022 has uh, potentially inspired Inspire a few people. women grapplers that the future is there. I think, I think the problem with uh, less female grapplers in India is like from the gym itself. A lot of gyms don't, especially jujitsu gyms, jujitsu classes, don't have a lot of women. That's true. So if you don't have a lot of women to start with, the sample size is already so small that people who would want to compete is even lesser. So where we need to improve, and I talk to all gym owners regarding this when I say this, is you have to get more female grapplers into your team. A lot of females do striking, but they still don't feel comfortable doing grappling. So maybe you need to change the structure of your class, uh, comfort level of the environment that people are training in to get more and more women trying jiu-jitsu, getting a hang of it. And once they uh, start it, they really enjoy it, right? They do, they do. Because jiu-jitsu is like a, for everyone, like people get hooked onto it once they start and understand how the art works. So I think we have a couple of good uh, three, four uh, good female grapplers we over do, here. We do, we do. And we hope in future they compete uh, in tournaments, do well. Yes. But yeah, to all gym owners, just try to figure this out. Why aren't you getting a lot of female grapplers in your gym? And only then we can have more women in the competition. Yes. Because every every single time it's a challenge uh, putting up our own female division. Yeah. Because even, th- even though we pay money and everything, we try to make sure that our athletes are given the respect that they deserve by making sure they are paid after they win. But it's still difficult to get in more women grapplers. But again, hopefully, uh, in ADCC context, we hope what they saw during uh, this mega event may just, uh, hopefully it inspires them to take up grappling more seriously and understand that if they actually put in the effort and the time, I mean, they could also, I mean, uh, it could be a fantastic career for them also. Uh, Obviously, it is not on a par with the guys, unfortunately, but... Uh, like Fionn, she has a fantastic uh, Jiu-Jitsu X uh, uh, instructionals and she teaches so brilliantly. So I think we can also have some uh, female grapplers from our country represent us and hopefully touch the skies, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about some notable performances. Uh, we talked about upset, but let's talk about people who really performed up to their, uh, you know, uh, expectations. So I would bring up uh, PJ. PJ oh Barsh. PJ Barsh was insane, bro. So he took out the former champion, two times uh, division winner, JT Torres. That was in insane. In a killer match. That was And insane. he was also beating Cade till the very, very, I mean, he was dominating that match till the very end when just one error again and he lost to that armbar, brilliant armbar because, by because Cade. Because in my opinion, I think he was out wrestling Cade. He was, he was, he was onto his back, rear body lock, and he was doing really well, countering all his takedowns. Yeah. But just one moment in the match where he tried to like stay on, do a arm drag kind of stuff. And he just and, used the switch. And Cade uh, Rotolo used the switch and immediately got a hand exposed and then just jumped on that hand, man. It's crazy. That was insane. He got a lot of cool armbar finishes. Like all the all the submissions, yeah, will come to Kate as well. What a brilliant ADCC for this guy. First ADCC that How he goes he? to. 18? He's 18. I think he's the youngest ADCC winner now. Yeah. He's the youngest ADCC winner. All four matches by submissions. Crazy. That's like cherry on top of the cake, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, his performance was next level. He just came in, brought the heat. Except for the BJ um, Barge um, match. I think he dominated. Most I mean, he submitted him. So that's what matters, right? Yeah, at the end. True. So he uh, submitted Lachlan Giles, he submitted uh, PJ Barge, and in the final he submitted Mika Galvao, out yeah. of all people. I was sad. 
because uh, Mika Galvao You're is... You're a big fan of Mika Galvao, I right? love Mika Galvao. Why, I mean, why, why is that? Why do you love Mika Galvao? I don't know, because uh, he's the only guy uh, who could beat Tainel Dalpro. Also, I mean, his game... Uh, I don't. We don't see. Uh, we don't know what to expect out of Mika Galvao yeah. when he's rolling. Uh, especially, he can hit you with ambas from anywhere. Very, very strong fundamentals. Like yeah, I mean, cinches you from the back. Anything. Close anything. guard. I mean, uh, remember that uh, event where uh, we had uh, uh, Brazil versus America. Oh how, yeah. How the Brazilians dominated the Americans this time, even uh, with. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about Mason Fowler. Okay. Yeah, people like Mason Fowler was uh, another upset. Yeah, he lost to upset, yeah. this brilliant guy, Eogan. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I wouldn't even try. Eogan uh, from, again, European trials winner, took out him with a heel hook, and he took out another, another big name with the heel hook. I forget, but yeah. yeah it was Great crazy. performance by him. So, uh, coming back to where we are. So Kid uh, had a fantastic, fantastic run. Fantastic run. I think the best performance uh, performer out of all. Yeah, and season. coming back to why I was sad uh, when Mika lost because, I mean, a bittersweet again. Uh, both great talents, but Mika Galvao has. Uh, I've been following Mika Galvao for a long time, and since he was a kid, right? Like since when he was, he was kid, twelve yeah, year old. Yeah, I mean, I, I once I found out who Mika Galvao was, then I started uh, YouTubing his videos, and I. And he was born to be a champion. He's just 18 years old, a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, when uh, Mika lost, uh, I was kind of upset. Moment. I'll tell you which was my sad moment. Yeah. It was Nikki Ryan losing the first round as well. Really? So again, I was oh, expecting him no, to no, no, no. It was remember mine too. that. Because Nikki Ryan today, if you're listening by any chance, Nikki Ryan, Man. you are my favorite grappler today. <laughs> you switched so quick. <laughs> yes. No, one of my, the favorite because... I've Second been, favorite, maybe. You no, know, I've been studying the B-team videos and the way he outpummels people. His, his high wrestling. Leg, his wrestling, he, his high-legging technique, the way yeah. he controls people and how beautifully... Very, he, very precise. Yeah, yeah. So, so unfortunately, we got the news after his uh, ADCC loss that he had injured his knee again, like the good knee, right? One week before the, tri- uh, before the championship. So I think he just has a bad luck with knee injuries. He already had like two surgeries. He's going to get the third one now, as he said. At 21. At 21 years of age. And that can like really demotivate you so much, first of all, because you have to sit out for like, what, nine months, six months, if you are very lucky. And nine months is a long time for someone else to get better than you. Yeah. And it's so so on the edge today. Everybody's getting better on a daily basis. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, even if they don't get better, just to sit out for that long and not be able to train while all your mates are training, that's incredibly frustrating. So So Ethan was another upset, bro. Ethan uh, against Josh Cisneros. Man, do you remember that iconic picture of Ethan? I think we'll put it later when we edit it, where he was almost on the back with a body triangle, but the body triangle was just a little bit sideways. Off off his right hip. Yeah, and he did not get that uh, finish, that point. Okay, so let's let's quickly wrap it up because our producer here is pointing to the time. Yeah. So I would also like to discuss Giancarlo's performance. Giancarlo Burini, yeah. shout out to him. Great performance, 88 division. He cleaned up two of the huge names. One was Matheus Denise in the semifinals, who was the last tri- uh, last championship winner, and he did that in emphatic fashion, taking his back, choking him, um, and then he did. Maybe he did not choke him. He just finished him with the points. And then he finished Lucas Barbosa in the finals, again with a back take. Another, so, another monster. So what, what I feel about Giancarlo is he's just a mini Gordon. And he we'll is. talk about Gordon also in a bit yeah. because he was the star of the whole tournament. All right, guys, uh, we'll take a small break and come back. Thank you. Yeah. And we are back. We are talking about the mini Gordon Ryan, if you want to continue. Giancarlo Borini. So... What I feel the best part about his game is he integrates wrestling really, really well into his jiu-jitsu game. And he's so precise. It's almost like watching Gordon at 88 kgs. And he his game has influenced me a lot where I'm trying to like uh, go to the same weight category, first of all. And second, uh, trying to be as precise in the wrestling because he, he's not a natural wrestler. He used to be a guy who was great in the gi. Then Danner discovered him through Bernardo Faria. I think that's how the story goes. Uh, and then he started appearing in these Danner DVDs as an Uki. And uh, right after that, you, we see him training. Uh, he uprooted his whole uh, setup from Boston and moved to the Texas. Austin new location, New Wave. And just in like these eight, nine months of training with the squad, he got so good, especially his wrestling, that he out-wrestled Lucas Barbosa and Matheus Denise. 
Mathieu's genesis. Both monsters. Been, yeah, they have been wrestling throughout their entire life, it seems. So it just shows ki how a structured approach to wrestling, personally to me, it shows how a structured appro- approach to wrestling can beat a lot of good wrestlers. I think so, because uh, it, it also works as an antithesis. Because great wrestlers, they are great scramblers. But with uh, DVDs like what John had just come out with, we are using wrestling against wrestlers and uh, making u- wrestling useful for jiu-jitsu. Exactly. So I think props to, again, the genius that is John Danaher. He touches yeah, something man. and it turns into it gold. It turns into gold or the ADCC gold. <laughs> Anything. I mean, imagine somebody who's yeah. been training with this great man for eight months and he goes and smashes people like Denise and Lucas Barbosa. It's just crazy. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Denise, I have an uh, affinity to because he trains with the legend Marcelo Garcia. And if you know anything about me, I've been trying to follow Marcelo Garcia for the last 10 years. That guillotine lifestyle. That guillotine lifestyle. I've been trying to be like him, uh, wrestle like him. I mean, do jiu-jitsu like him. But again, I'm probably at 1% of what he is. (laughs) We all are. Yeah. So, of course, uh, it was. And uh, yeah. So, you were talking about Gordon Ryan. Uh, We'll we'll come to that. Let's let's talk about two more people who were like really impressive. One was Nicholas Merigali. Oh wow, yeah. And his ADCC run this time. This was his first Nogi tournament. Let's talk about the first. I mean, Nicholas Merigali. If you don't know him, you should definitely go and just YouTube. I hope you know him because yeah, I mean, even if you are so, if you're an MMA fighter, if you just follow the Nogi circuit, I mean, Nicholas Merigali is the goat. Gi goat. Yeah, he's the go goat. I mean, he just smashes everyone. I mean, in the gi, he's so technical, he's so strong, he's just like water, he just flows. So for him to transition to transition no-gi, to no-gi and, and like, like our other friend, just eight to ten months. Giancarlo, yeah. Yeah, so I think Giancarlo was doing no-gi a little bit longer, but yeah. No, no, no. With, Nicholas uh, Merigali. Yeah, 100%. He also shifted down to Austin when they opened up the new wave. And again, I don't know what they teach at New Wave or how they structure training because that structure just makes massive improvement like every single week. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. So maybe there's a lot of learning to do uh, about the coaching aspect, how you can like shortcut the time that it takes to be an elite grappler because Nicholas Merigali in the Nogi seemed like unstoppable. He went on to win, I think, silver in the absolutes. And then uh, in his own weight, he won uh, bronze. bronze. Yeah. First ADCC run. Craig managed to beat him. And that was a close fight. That was a very, very close fight. I think it was decided on on one penalty, I guess. Penalty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, props And Craig is someone who does nogi all the time. He's a nogi specialist. I mean, we've been watching Craig for the longest time. You've been following. I've been following Craig Jones. I mean, he is a leg lock specialist and especially with what we've seen through his B-team roles, now his game is so holistic. He can do anything from anywhere. But for someone like Nicholas Merigali, who just retired or left the gi and to get into the no-gi territory and do so well with one of the top grapplers in the, in the world, it was just insane to watch. Yeah. So, uh, also shout out to Kanan Duarte. A lot of people don't talk about him, but he's a phenomenal grappler. Obviously, he is a lot thick, like a beast for that in 99 kg division. But what a grappler, man. Like, he kept everything flawless, just ran through the entire division, beat Craig so emphatically. And remember that moment where he was almost about to lose on penalties. What, what was that all about? What did you I mean, Craig obviously paid the judges. That's what he said. <laughs> he, he admitted that. Yeah. But yeah, I think the judges were really, really trying to make Craig win for some reason. Because at one point, I remember, this was very interesting, I, and nobody brings it up. At one point, uh, when Kainan was passing... His shots got stuck in um, Craig's toe. And the ref went to remove that shots. And I think it was not visible to the judges. They thought they are tapping him. Because whenever you give a penalty, you tap the person. So as he removed the shot, I saw the penalty increase by one. So it was just preposterous at that point. I don't know what they were trying to do. I mean, I mean, at that level of a game, and yeah. the whole world is watching. You know, you cannot make silly mistakes because I think a lot of guys know the rules. And, and you can and make out. one silly mistake. Like uh, the other bigger <laughs> silly mistake was, and not silly, I would say it was a grave mistake where uh, this guy, Dante Leon, he was winning that fight or actually it was equal 2-2 and he was just waiting out the last 30 seconds thinking that now we'll go to the overtime where he will have the advantage over Mika Galvao. 
and suddenly like when 10 seconds were left the scoreboard switches takes away his two point makes it zero two and what are you going to do in 10 seconds against Mika Galva of all people right you cannot pass his guard you cannot do anything 10 seconds that's too less so yeah there were there were certain uh, lapses i would say i mean like you rightly said grave lapses because i think it's a it's everybody's dream to become an adc yeah. champion i mean their lives depend on it they have sacrificed so much just to be in a world stage so that they can do this for a long time and also make a living out of it it's so difficult for grapplers to exit for the top of the best of the best i don't think so anybody's making a ton of money so just like anything else uh, otherwise they'll start uh, end up opening academies and becoming coaches and suddenly their career is kind of over so yeah though a lot of uh, fallacies a lot of uh, biases around uh, grapplers which was sad to watch in an event like adcc yeah yeah uh, good thing was there was not a lot of biases maybe a couple but those were so big Anything. that you know it was kind of sad to see especially like the dante leon match where he lost I mean, as you rightly said, people sacrifice like two years of their life committed to this one goal, and if you take it away so e- like emphatically from them, so rudely, so it's really uh, it's sad. Not, it's not right. It's not right, especially when the whole world is watching and they can see what is happening. Yeah. But again, you have to keep shut because ADCC is too big of a name now to you know go against. Yeah, I think I think people did criticize them. Like a lot of yeah, people criticize. Yeah, the, but again, Dante Leon lost. Yeah. I mean, two years. I mean, he's going to be fighting to 2024 now. I mean, a lot of people were also suggesting why not we have a video review system, you know, where you can just go back because mm. it's such a big event, such a big decision. Just go back, take your time. The athletes have nowhere to go. Mm. They can stay here for five extra minutes. Yeah. Take your time, see the replay again as it happens in all the elite sports. Yes. All the high-level sports which you want uh, jiu-jitsu to become. So try to, and as Mo said, ki the production level was super high. So just add that review system that yeah, will just yeah, increase think, the you I know, think so I think so the fa- uh, fairness of the decision yeah and uh, it was it was, I mean obviously it was something that we all aspire to do in the country and hopefully have some of us from the country represent uh Indian grappling us on that on that kind of platform but again yeah these things are that's why strangle again coming back to digressing from adcc strangle we want to make sure that we are all prepared for the biggest tournament in the world because ebi rules are kind of simple no point just a mission if you don't finish you get into the overtime where you get the back or the amba and you win the win the tournament it's quite emphatic but again it uh, can be a very stalling and a boring format because there's no points for passing Whereas in ADCC, I think it is it has to be scrambles after scrambles because you want to not lose by negatives. You don't want to lose by a single point when uh, you could be winning that tournament and your life could change dramatically. Just like uh, when uh, Lachlan Giles won the bronze medal in the absolute division after that he was doing seminars across the world. Craig Jones, the biggest ADCC story. Yeah. Like he beat Leandro Lowe, RIP, uh, and his life changed forever. Yes. Like he became one of the most sought out grapplers, went on a seminar tour, did 75 odd seminars in yeah. an entire year. So that just changes lives winning ADCC. And that's what every grappler chases that dream. Yeah. Uh, all right. Coming back to the final mega show of the day. That was the story of Gordon Ryan's epic run. Oh my God. So first of all, we'll just agree here universally that Gordon Ryan is the best Nogi grappler ever. I'm not even talking about right now, but ever. No Because doubt. no other person has 60 or 70 plus now, I guess, unbeaten streak in Nogi grappling. Okay. And then to have the courage, the balls, if I may say, to not only fight in a super fight against a superstar grappler, a mammoth of a grappler like Andre Galvao, but also do your weight division plus 99 and beat all of them so and that also very quickly so that you can go and do the super fight easily that requires some different kind of you know walls of steel so i think man he's a different breed yeah i mean i don't know how you, you get so good i don't know because i i remember the first ebi ebi5 i'm guessing when he made his debut a lanky kid because yeah obviously he was going to win the abi then he start, he wins the abi four or five times then suddenly he becomes the Gordon Ryan that he has become a a larger than life grappler who has a big mouth runs his mouth wherever but again he has his skills to back it up i mean 
it was just a flawless run i think nobody can replicate that in the longest time i mean like nobody can even think of because imagine the pressure of having a super fight against one of the best grapplers of the generation that's andre yes. galvao and then on top of that choosing to do a plus 99 kg division where all the grapplers are super heavyweight yeah so to do that requires like a different kind of mentality and this guy just not only is some i think he submitted uh, i think just victor hugo was the one he did not submit Rest and he beat everyone he also had the quickest submission 9 seconds yeah that he look that uh, uh, that was he look was outside he look i don't know why he tapped yeah. okay i mean it was a very quick tap he could have kind of tried to defend but again it's gordon rand going after your heel that's also true <laughs> you don't again, want to even i thought uh, nicky rod tapped too early Nikki Rod yeah I think I think the problem in that position was that Nikki Rod is so good and I think Craig talked about it in a recent breakdown that he did of all the uh, grapplers from B team that Nikki Rod is so good in the gym and he feels so strong that whenever he's in any kind of leg entanglements he just explores and gets out of the position right but against Gordon who is a master of these positions you cannot just explode out and space especially a garden with this kind of strength like did you see the no, shape that he came in with oh my god his abs had abs look like <laughs> greek garden for real yeah 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 his abs had abs so, it was crazy so yeah he tried he couldn't do that and once you cannot do that that builds a bad habit whenever you have a ex- habit of exploding out of the leg locks you do not know technical ways exactly how to escape and navigate through different leg position So I'm not saying that Nikki Rod is oh, not technical. Oh, he's brilliant. He's definitely technical training in the best leg lock room of the entire world, I guess. But I think against Gordon, you cannot make those kind of errors. Obviously, because uh, imagine Gordon couldn't pass uh, Felipe Pena's guard for 45 minutes, and that body lock pass was textbook. Yeah. Which he did. But again, like you said, I mean, there are so many layers to Gordon Ryan. Obviously, he's physical. He's a physical phenomenon. Did, right? did Nikki Rod pass Gordon's guard? Not guard. Uh, Felipe Pena's guard. Oh yeah, yeah, he passed yeah. Felipe Pena's guard very, very easily. Yeah. yeah. So Felipe yeah. Pena was just like lackluster this ADCC. Everyone, yeah. even his match with uh, Tyro Tolo, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It was Tyro was kind of pushing him so much, pushing him around, yeah, even being the smaller grappler. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I so. mean, I've been another legend. I met at the uh, opportunity to meet with him at the ACBJJ tournament in Russia. Uh, gentleman, huge hands. We just shook hands, and he was kind enough to. Pose for pictures with us, but yeah, this ADCC, he didn't look. Uh, he was not the Philippe Pena. Shadow of the grappler that he was. Yeah, 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 of course. And I think it's a lot of things which has to do with the events surrounding his life. Is where he lost his best friend, That's true. Uh, Leandro Lowe, and incident, all that. What an incident! Yeah. So it's a lot taxing mentally, I guess. And if you're not mentally ready, uh, yeah. you cannot perform to the best of your abilities. But having said that, let's come down to the showstopper, the main fight that everyone was just looking forward to. the andre galvao versus gordon ryan match yes it, so what what did you think about that match i because uh, i've seen andre galvao treat philippe pena like a uh, little baby and ragdoll <laughs> him remember the first yeah. fight yeah. Uh, i went through the uh, announcer table announcer tables where his rib was hurt i was hoping that andre would uh, bring that kind of heat to the table he definitely uh, took uh, gordon down with the which i think was gordon's bait because yeah, uh, he did the same thing with ricky with nikki rod so i think these guys uh, even craig talked about it he, they shouldn't have taken the bait because if gordon did not pull guard and it was the finals in finals if you pull guard you suffer a negative point yeah. and then you risk the other guy just stalling you out throughout looking active but not really doing anything but these guys just take took his bait to get a takedown quick takedown and uh, eventually Gordon also took him, uh, Galvao took him down, and that allowed him to play the guard because easy. Unless you take someone down and pin their back to the mat, you are not awarded the takedown points. Absolutely not. And uh, also, Gordon's half guard passing is a clinic. I mean, he runs clinic on people. He just once yeah, he reverses, once he in the once he gets into your half guard. In my opinion, I think it's the end. Or, of the or match. I would say once he gets on top, it's over it's, already. It's the end of the fight. Yeah, he yeah. takes you back. He'll finish you 110 out of 100 times. So that was my biggest fear uh, with Galvao going into this match. I did not want him to end up on the bottom of Gordon because I've studied his passing uh, DVD and I know how deep that passing system goes. I mean, if you are not aware of it, you are going to get crushed with his passing. And he mixes loose passing, tight passing, half guard passing, body lock passing. 
man it's so tough to deal with when he gets on top of you so the whole battle in my uh, mind was how does gordon get on top and how long will it take for him to get on top and uh, interestingly it happened like just in the second exchange in the first exchange he attacked the heel hook which uh, galvao spun and uh, escaped which was a correct escape good escape but next time when he came in he got into a single leg exposition this time did not go for a heel hook went for a double ankle sweep i broke this down also on my instagram uh, magicman.13 of course yeah Short you should plug. check his you could check you should check his uh... so he went into that double ankle sweep got on top as he was getting on top galvao turned away to try to pull that leg out and he kind of ran over and he ran directly to the rear body lock and from there he did that sweet little foot trip from the side and took him down and eventually ended up on the top and, and it was beginning the, of the end yeah and then he trapped his hand the bottom hand took his back and his back and slowly but methodically choked him out just with one and galvao didn't even wait for the uh, Renegade choke to sink in. He just tapped here. Yeah, he knew it was over. Long time ago. It was over. But uh, Galvao is a legend in him. I mean, in himself. I mean, one of the best yeah. coaches in the world today. He's also a coach to some of the best grapplers in the world today. But that fight, I thought Galvao could have brought yeah, it. That that fight just cemented Gordon's. Like I had just a little bit of doubt that what will he do against people who are his size and as strong and as technical. But he showed that he's uh, in terms of technique, he's levels above everyone. Yeah, Gordon Brown is the undisputed goat. Nobody can argue that. I don't think so. Anybody can argue with that. Yeah. What What's in the future for Gordon Brown now? What should he do? I don't know because he's conquered the grappling community. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's nobody should, left to fight. No, I think he should get into co- combat grappling. Uh, you mean uh, combat jujitsu? Yeah, yeah. I mean, combat jujitsu is not even a big thing. So no, what I'm saying is, there has to be something. There has to be some edge, some challenge, some challenge for him. Where we can watch people slap him. Yeah, I mean, did you read Yuri Simon's uh, Instagram post? Like he was very blatant saying that I will lose to Gordon now, but he's got the best coach and he's going to come back after two years and try to yeah. beat Gordon in the super. Imagine fight. having winning the plus ninety nine division and then having the absolute division winner. saying that if the fight were to happen today i would lose to gordon uh-huh. so basically he won plus 99 he won the absolutes and he beat the super fight i mean yeah practically so what what should he do he go to 66 and clean up all the division like 66 77 he is the undisputed he owned adcc we can say that he owned i mean he owns most of the fights here <laughs> except for the long uh, that boring uh, philippe pena match where he couldn't pass his guard for 45 minutes i don't know what was happening yeah. i think one fight which stood out for gordon ran uh, in this tournament for me was uh, his fight with victor hugo yeah i, you, I unfortunately did not watch that fight so victor hugo uh, like for a good fight he gordon ultimately mounted him but he escaped out of the mount which a lot of people cannot say that they can do once gordon mounts you once gordon passes your guard it's just over it's like an anaconda putting on the squeeze yeah. once he has already locked his um, body around you but victor hugo managed to escape and rode that match out on points he lost on points oh. So that was kind of a moral victory and I think that's where Gordon has set the bar now that if you lose yeah. by a big point deficit you kind of feel that you won. Yeah yeah with Gordon Brand <laughs> if 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 you don't get choked or if you don't yeah. get submitted you've already won you've established yourself. I think I'm sure Victor Hugo is going to get a lot of seminars on how to escape that mount. You know and uh, also Gordon Brand had that audacity or I mean he can do anything after you win two divisions the super fight and the absolute uh no the plus over 99 then he says okay i'll give you 20 oh, minutes he called out felipe pena <laughs> i'll give you 20 minutes and let's go right here that's funny because in back of my mind i was like oh what if felipe pena comes running to the arena now what happens do we do another fight but it was so late i wouldn't have watched anyways i would be it like bro we late. all know what's the result yeah. going to be next time we'll just him let's pick up a central location so that we don't have a time difference of about 12 hours i don't hours. think they're going to do that because yeah. it's a live thing in uh, the arena they'll match it up to the perfect time for yeah, us yeah. and mojasim also got selected this is the news that broke yesterday i guess he got the organizing rights of the next adcc as well wow. which makes it thrice in a row which has never happened and again next time it is going to be happening in the las vegas so mm. so there you go we will watch oh, hopefully if it is 2023 you may, you never know i could be in the audience <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dreaming about winning anything and going to trials. So maybe Pew should be there. He is one of the better grapplers in the country. So 
Maybe. Fingers yeah, crossed. Fingers crossed. Maybe Trials his first. first fight is with. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, like you mm. said in the beginning of the podcast, if he wins the Asia Trials, you're definitely the lowest seed. And you will definitely go on 88 kg winner, Giancarlo Bodini, <laughs> buying the yeah, guy yeah, I'm looking yeah. up to. No. Yeah. Yeah, those those are the stuff that dreams are made of. So, yeah. But again, so. I mean, everybody has to dream somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, ADCC 2022, what a show. I mean, I th- I'm sure you guys watched it. It was, it was, it was nothing uh, short of a soap, a soap opera. The production. One last thing which I would uh, put uh, in front of you was that this time ADCC had such a huge pop, such a huge uh, aura surrounding it that a lot of my MMA friends were also asking me, "Where can you watch it? Where I don't have flow? Please help me watch it." So this time it transcended just the grappling community and spread through the MMA community, which was a big, big achievement, which grappling has never been able to do. Uh, earlier, they used to have like these grappling superstars like uh, George St. Pierre, uh, Mark Kerr and all these guys who used to uh, compete, the MMA superstars. But still, it couldn't bring those many MMA eyeballs because it used to be such a low-key event in some corner of a stadium. But this time, they did it in one of the biggest stage. The who's who came to watch. There were a lot of people from Europe. All the Joe Rogan was there. Joe Rogan was there. Who 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 was the other famous person who was there apart from Joe? Who's the? I think Nate Diaz was there. Nate Diaz I was saw, there. I saw a lot of pictures of Nate Diaz being there. So I mean, yeah. So, so yeah. definitely because Nate Diaz is also a black belt. Joe Rogan under uh, the tenth planet system. He's also a black belt. Again, Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan because of Joe Rogan. The grappling community has seen such a uh, thrust. Uh, felt such a thrust. Uh, so a big shout out to the man himself, the legend. Uh, so yeah, the ADCC is always the, is go- always going to be the holy grail. So before we uh, you know, cut this uh, podcast, we as a community, a BJJ community in the country, we have to stop this infighting nonsense and get into uh, creating one solid team because we do have great grapplers in the country. We, we at least have a handful of them in different divisions. Uh, if... We want to be known, uh, not just in our basements or our clubs. I think we need to step up our game and uh, get into the mode where we want to prove ourselves outside of the country. What do you think? 100%. Like, we need to represent India on the global Nogi stage. And I think till now, um, we have people who are capable of doing that, but it just will require a lot of people training together, trying to um, aim for the same prize. And I think the growth of Europe, especially in England, is a testament to that, where all of these teams train together. Um, there's a lot less infighting. At least it appears on the surface. Maybe the reality is different. But I think that's the way to go forward, where you all can train together, can help each other level up, instead of just thinking about your own personal egos that, oh, what if this guy beats me in training? What will I... Yeah, I mean, I mean that's so petty whereas the goal is so big so yeah i mean nobody cares about you the world yeah. doesn't you're, you're a nobody right now unless you win a adcc trial or adcc yeah. itself you're a nobody this is going to be a new initiative from rebel radio to unite the jiu-jitsu community in the country or the grappling community in the country and the mma community in the country if you like such content just let us know uh, in the comments or you can also subscribe to the channel and also follow us on our pages, we'll also have a different, uh, separate Instagram page for this. So yeah, also if you want anything else to be discussed in this podcast, feel, please know. feel free to comment or send us a DM or whatever. Also a big shout out to my friend Money. He is the man behind the camera. He's also the man behind my uh, the other podcast that I do, the Rajiv Kadi Show. So without him, this would not have been possible. So thank you, Money. And uh, thank you to all my friends. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go strangle Goa. And that was the end of the very first, the maiden episode of Rebel Radio. You have a good uh, week, guys, and I hope to see you guys soon. Us. Peace out.